Hello, creative people. Welcome to Creative Conversations. My name is Hollis Citron, and we are so happy that you have chosen to spend this hour with us. So I am owner and founder of I Am Creative and Express Yourself Publishing, and I am on a mission to expand the definition of creativity beyond a pencil and a paintbrush and empower people, especially adults, to own their voice that come in so many different forms. So this space was created to talk with people with all different jobs, hobbies, and interests, and have conversations about experiences and perspectives all centered around three questions. One, how do you define creativity? Two, how do you incorporate it into your life? And three, why do you think it's important? Then we have a free-flowing conversation and we see where it goes. So I have had the opportunity to talk to musicians, Reiki masters, mediums, doctor, lawyer, real estate agents, and so many more. And these conversations explore the reality that creativity is not cute, it is necessary. People have defined creativity as their soul's essence, courage, imagination, basically all that we are and wanna be. So sharing these stories expands one's thinking and opens up self-expression to feel more empowered, connected, and dare I say, happy. So my inspiring guest for today is Dave Ebert. Dave is an improviser, podcaster, improv coach, actor, speaker, and credentialed minister. Dave and his lovely wife are co-children's pastors at Thrive Church in Lockport, Illinois. Dave founded what is now called Well-Versed Comedy, a troupe of Christian comedians using comedy as ministry. Dave also teaches improv as a skill set to improv ministry, communication, teamwork, and confidence. Dave, welcome to the space. Hello. How are you? I am okay, thank you. How are you? I'm doing all right. Sorry for the uh, for the delay getting in, but uh, I'm happy to be here. Really excited to, to chat with you. It's okay. I'm so looking forward to having this conversation because you have so many different aspects to who you are, but there's such a common thread that kind of goes through it also. So uh, could you please tell us a little bit more about yourself before we dive in? Sure. Um, um, I'm, uh, I'm married to my beautiful wife, Bobby, who is, as we speak, making uh, chili for lunch and dinner. And uh, uh, nice. we're uh, co-children's pastors at our church, Thrive Church in uh, Lockport, Illinois. Um, she's my uh, right-hand person with our improv uh, ministry. And uh, you know, we've been uh, married six and a half years. And it's been, uh, uh, you know, it's been a, 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 you know, marriage has been fun. And, and uh, <laughs> I, I hear uh, we have an audience member in the background. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I was just going to apologize to everybody. So sorry. One of we have three cats, and one of my cats likes to announce after after he's gone to the bathroom. It's a little TMI, but he loves to run around <laughs> screaming. <laughs> So, I did it. I did it. I did it. He's 14, but he's like, yes. <laughs> Every time it's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, we have the same issue. We've got three cats. And uh, when they hear me talking, they usually like to compete. So uh, that, there is another tidbit I didn't include. We have three cats. Uh, we are hoping uh, that uh, the Lord will open the door to uh, a biped uh, child soon. 
but uh, <laughs> we've got the fur babies for now. And you know what? They are they are the babies, and I hear I hear yours in the background. <laughs> yes, uh, you hear Candy in the background. She is our declawed tuxedo uh, with with Tourette's. She'll just look at us and just meow for no reason. <laughs> We, we have a um, everybody. You didn't know this conversation was going to be a conversation about cats, but um, yeah, one of our cats who's a tuxedo. She, I wouldn't say she has Tourette's, but she's um, she's skittish. All you have to do is say her name, and she's like, "What?" And she'll just like <laughs> j- jump off the wall. And it's like, babe, we've had you for four years. Like, can you kind of get used to us? <laughs> right, <laughs> inside right. cat. Like, there's not a lot of change. But anyway, okay, so we got all of that straight, and we are going to really dive into um, very soon about your varied background of minister, pro wrestler, improv, and everything that I mentioned. But before we Mm -hmm. do that, um, we're going to do the would you rather question. And let's do that. And here we go. So, Dave, would you rather be trapped in the middle of a food fight? Or a water balloon fight? Well, I would say that there is no trap in either one. They're, they're both fun. Uh, I would say water balloon fight just because, for those that have seen my profile picture, I'm a, I'm a larger gentleman. So uh, I hate to see food wasted. So I, I, w- I guess I would choose water balloon fight of the two. <laughs> Uh, yeah, you know what? I was thinking that too because it's just it's just kind of cleaner. You get wet, and it's just a kind of easier thing to clean up. Not exactly. that that's as bad. <laughs> but, <laughs> okay, so we're gonna dive into the first question. But I am gonna ask: Do you have headphones in? Yes, I do. Okay, okay, just because we can hear like all the scraping going on in the kitchen. So I didn't. Oh, uh, okay, gotcha. Yeah. Um, okay. So the first official question is, how do you define creativity? Uh, I define creativity as uh, using whatever talents, gifts, or passions you have in a way that adds value to the world. Um, and uh, And coming from a Christian perspective, I believe that God gives us all specific gifts and talents and and passions and allows us to create things that will influence our world, that will make people's lives better, and ultimately, uh, from the Christian pr- perspective, will bring people closer to God because He's the ultimate creator. He uh, invented everything off the top of His head while also still having a perfect plan in place. Um so I, I believe that creativity is rooted in just basically redeeming and using what you've been given in a way that uh, impacts the world. Hmm. And that's what I was really um, inspired by when we had our pre-chat is a lot of what you talk about is very, uh, very much about connection and community. Mm-hmm. It's very much about bringing people together and uh that a person is not just an individual, but has an impact on someone else. So could you give us a little bit more about your journey of, um, of all these different aspects of yourself? Like, uh, I don't know if there's an order to things or if things kind of came in and, you know, overlap with each other. But some of the things that I wrote down besides what I said here was minister, pro wrestler, improv, comedy, 
Um, what else did I? Actor, speaker. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, as a very young child, I what really got, I guess you could say, addicted to the idea of entertaining people. Uh, one of the earliest photos of me was when I was about two years old. I was at a city pool, and at that pool, they're also having like a either a bathing suit competition or a bodybuilding contest or something, but something involving men in speedos or whatever, and they were flexing. And I don't know why we were at a pool at the same time that was going on, but I made the best of it. And I was, you know, little two-year-old me with my little two-year-old root beer belly and, you know, my chubby little arms was flexing away from my parents. And I just, it was because I love, entertaining people, making people laugh. I, I, I thrived off of it. And that was always the kind of the root of who I was. Uh, but fast forward into high school, uh, my dad was in failing health. He was a Vietnam veteran and had uh, contracted all the, the hard side effects of the Agent Orange chemical that they used in the war. And that caused his health to fail. And he went from a very healthy, strong, uh, working with his hands, 30-year-old to fully disabled by the time he was 40. And, you know, that's, you know, when I'm starting to grow up, and that's when a, a guy needs his dad most of all, and he was not handling it well. Me, as an adolescent, I wasn't handling it well. And so based on that and, you know, just a, a, a host of other different factors, I ended up in a deep depression um, to the point where, on a weekly basis, if not daily basis, there were, you know, thoughts and battles with the idea of suicide. Mm. But I knew that I shouldn't feel that way. I knew that it would hurt people if I tried to explain how I felt. So almost instinctively, I used the same comedy that I'd been doing for fun and just for enjoyment now as a shield to kind of protect people from knowing what I was going through. And also, hoping to add value to the world because if I can make somebody laugh, then they weren't feeling the same way I was feeling. They weren't feeling the same depths and darkness that I was feeling. So it went from a very pure thing of, you know, just enjoying laughter with people to something that wasn't quite as pure, uh, by, um, you know, using it as a mask and as a way to really justify my existence. Because if I could add value to the world, then I could, justify myself staying staying alive for that next week because I was doing something positive. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I battled with uh, depression and, and that suicide uh, suicidal thoughts for uh, about 17 years. Wow. Um, and the whole time I was using comedy and entertaining as a way to mask it, as a way to uh, compensate. And like I said, as a way to try to prevent other people from feeling what I was feeling. And uh, after college, um, yeah, I was still, even though I'm a larger guy, I've always been kind of athletic for my size. Mm -hmm. And being athletic and being uh, somebody that really likes to be in front of people, the natural outlet for that was uh, pro wrestling. So I got into pro wrestling uh, in my mid-20s and was using that as a way, as a, regular outlet to be in front of people, to entertain. Uh, If I could make you cheer me or if I could make you boo me, it was a good show. If people just sat on their hands or like, huh, 
whatever, then it was, you know, it, it wasn't feeding that monster that told me I had value. So if I'd have a bad match or a bad show, then that next week, you know, all those bad thoughts of feeling worthless and feeling like I wasn't contributing to the world, all that would fly back in. And like I said, I knew I shouldn't feel this way. So there was like that double condemnation of, uh, of feeling suicidal and feeling like you wanted the pain to end, but then also knowing that you shouldn't feel that way. And that it was just like this vicious cycle that, I, it, I needed a good show or I needed to be an opportunity where I could make somebody laugh or to kind of just give me that hit that I needed. I mean, it, mm. in many ways it was, it was a drug mm-hmm. uh, just to continue. Uh, so I'm in many ways, I'm glad that that's how I coped and I didn't use drugs or alcohol or other really dangerous choices, but I'm not, but it wasn't healthy because I didn't seek help. I didn't seek anybody's counsel or I didn't because I didn't want to let anybody in because I was embarrassed and I was ashamed. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, so using comedy and, and entertaining people all those years was my mask. And then in January of 2013, I was at this, I was at this tipping point really where I was starting to warm up to the idea of really pursuing uh, a relationship with the Lord or just finally ending it. You know, it was literally uh, taking my life or giving my life to the Lord. And I decided obviously to, to pursue the, to pursue Jesus. And um, it really came to a head when I was walking to work one day, I was late and there's these two kids out there from a Bible college. Uh, They had no real reason to be there other than, you know, God sent them there. Um, and, and that's you know my perspective on it is that God sent them there specifically to meet me just to specifically be that one last smack across the back of the head say hey you need to get right with your father God and uh, so after meeting with them you know, I, I started pursuing that relationship and that led me to leave West Virginia and come to Chicago to pursue using comedy still and still to help people and to improve people's day, improve people's lives. But now it's for a much deeper and better purpose, a much more fulfilling purpose than just trying to justify my existence. And it was to to draw people closer to the Lord. Hmm. So much in what you just said, um, I want to touch on, and I want to thank those that are here live. Thank you so much for being here. We really appreciate you. Any questions or comments, please feel free to put them into the chat box below where we can see them um, and you can be part of the conversation. So thank you for sharing that. Uh, And I, things that just really stood out to me was a few times in saying justifying your existence, Um, embarrassed, ashamed, you having the awareness of what this was, but there wasn't expression for you in helping you in there. You were helping yourself by helping others. But at the same time, like you were saying, you were creating a shield. So others couldn't really see how you were feeling. You didn't want them to feel this way, but at the same time, you weren't giving yourself a reprieve. Right. If that makes any sense. You were getting yeah, a hit I, off of it, but the hit only lasts for so long. Right. It's not solving the core issue. 
Right. Exactly. It and you know, hit is the perfect term because it was like coping with a type of a drug instead of actually getting to the root of the issue. Yeah. Yeah. And that's so much of what happens you see as people are going through the aging process, you know, these as people put up their uh, boundaries and their walls and because of whatever their stories are and what they're going through and what they want to share and what they don't share, we often shut ourselves down um, and keep ourselves in what we think is protection. But at the same time, it's not serving us because it's not right. expression. Right. And I, I love how you said there was those synchronistic moments and anybody who's listening, who can, who can relate to this, please share in the chat box. It's those moments when you're at your lowest or you're questioning or whatever that is. And all of a sudden this situation happens. Like you said, you know, the Bible students were there and then it's, it is, it's that either a gentle tap or the smack of the two by four in your head. Like, are you listening? <laughs> Right, right. This is this is what you need to do. Exactly. Yeah. It, and it's funny, when you have those big moments, like the big two by four, and then you respond, then you can look back and you realize, oh, wow, I didn't need that two by four if I just listened to these other taps that had happened, but I blew past them. So yeah. sometimes, you know, in life you'll see that, yeah, I could have saved myself a lot of pain if I had paid attention to that nudge or that urge, but finally got to the point where, you know, you know, God had to take the two by four and say, wake up. And I was like, right. ah, okay. Yeah. Let's, let's try this thing. But so often that happens, right? I mean, I, I know what happens for me. It, it's those when I'm so in myself and protecting what I think is protecting myself, but it's really not expressing myself that I'm not, open enough i'm not self-aware enough to be listening to those nudges because i'm mm -hmm. so in my head and not in my heart or in my right. gut which is the intuitive aspect exactly and it, it's really especially like when it's a depression like i had you know as much as i was trying to cover it up it, it's literally like if you know if a woman finds a lump or a guy finds something you know that doesn't look right and you're ignoring the symptom and you're like, Oh, I, I'm not going to worry about it. I'm going to do my thing. And, I'm gonna... and then it festers. And then what could have been an outpatient procedure is now intensive therapy to get rid of this cancer that you just ignored and, or, or a wound that you, you know, you didn't want to, you didn't want people to worry that you, you got this major gash. So you'll just duct tape it together, super glue it together. And then it festers and gets infected. And now your whole right. leg is infected. And uh, unfortunately, that's kind of, I think that may be more American than anything else is just the idea of, you know, being the hero, being John McClane and taking the bullet and keep going forward. You think you're doing something almost heroic by doing that mm. instead of actually addressing the issue and addressing the injury. Mm. And, and, and also a lot of times there are, opportunities where you do try to treat the injury but you've done it with the wrong person mm, that's a good point then that, yeah um because i remember in college when i was talking to some people i opened up about what i was going through but it was 
during a drinking party and and I'm not endorsing drinking at all, but in college, you, you do some silly things. Mm-hmm. And I was like, you know what, guys, this is what I'm feeling. And of course, the, you know, they with their, you know, their associates level education and, you know, four mm-hmm. or five shots of Jägermeister are coming back with, Dave, you're crazy. You have no reason to be depressed. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, <laughs> I was trying to be real with you. And, yeah, that was yeah. just a poor choice on my part to say this is the one opportunity I'm going to open up at a party, and you know that those never work. So, anybody that's, that's really, listening, yeah, I'm yeah. sorry. Go ahead. No, anybody that's listening, yeah, finish that thought. That's important. Go ahead. Anybody that's listening, you got to open up. You got to get those injuries treated. You can't let them fester. But be wise. Open up to somebody that's able to hear it, and not somebody that's inebriated, because. You're never going to get really good advice when when you and the person you're opening up to is inebriated. Uh, so choose wisely uh, to who, who you open up to. So that that was kind of where I was going with that. But uh, what were you saying? No, I think that's it's a beautiful point. And it, but at the same time, I think that's when people begin to open up because when you are drunk, you're you know you you loosen up and your your mm-hmm. boundaries you aren't as strict with your boundaries so that's a time when you can be more free flowing with your words and um i think it's a very important point to make and it always goes back to who you surround yourself with like you said be wise right. on you know who you surround yourself with and when you say things my daughter recently had a situation where in high school they, they graduated they had you know um they were all at the beach and whatever. And they were drinking and one of the kids did, he opened up to being depressed and nobody knew none of his guy friends knew that he was. And Mm. they all, they broke down actually. Like they were all crying. It was kind of like the opposite reaction that they were all crying because they had no idea that he was going through and he wasn't sharing it. It turned into this whole big thing. Yeah. And that's awesome. And, and the one thing about depression I'll say is no depression is the same as the, anybody else's. There's no blanket answer. There's no blanket responses. And I'm, yeah, that's awesome that, he, uh, that the friend was able to open up and that there was a supportive issue or, you know, support around him for that. Um, so that, that just goes to show that there's no blanket response. There's no blanket story. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, but the, the important thing is to find somebody that you can op- open up to that will go into that darkness with you and not give up on you. Mm, um, not give up. That's And listen to you, mm-hmm. right? Not like judge you and right. tell, give you the solutions, but listen to you, right? Exactly. And if somebody's opening up about depression, they already know that they shouldn't feel that way. They already know that it's not a safe or healthy place to be. So the last thing that you should say in response is, oh, you shouldn't feel that way. Or or don't say something like, oh, I don't believe that about you. Listen, because there's a serious thing that, that's opening up there. And I also want to take a burden off anybody that has a friend that's going through depression or somebody that opens up to you. Your job is not to save them. Your job is not to fix them. Uh, and I'm, I'm speaking from a Christian perspective, but even if you're not a Christian, it's still not your job. Your job is only to be present, to be an opening, uh, an open ear, a, a soft shoulder. You can't fix them, but you can be there and walk through the darkness with them. 
So don't feel like your responsibility is to save that person or to fix them or to offer the right words. It's just be present and don't give up. Thank you for that. I think that applies in so many situations. Um, yeah, yeah. Thank you so much for that. And I'm so glad that you found your way and you are shedding, shining your light to this world in so many incredible ways. So we've touched on this with um, with the pro wrestling aspect. And I, I kind of want to just go back there for a minute because I like what you said about, and I think it'll lead into then what we're going to talk about with improv because in calling this ex exploring the benefits of improv, it's in so many aspects of life. So mm -hmm. there's that whole role-playing aspect and... I don't want to ruin it for anybody if they're listening and <laughs> the, the, well, you talk about the wrestling aspect and, and your view of, of how improv plays into that. All right. So, uh, you know, we'll reveal the, what's behind the curtain. <laughs> Much like when you go to a Marvel movie and you see Captain America throwing a shield, you know in your head that the shield is not actually in real life flying and knocking people over. Right. You know that, but you're not sitting there going, that's fake. That's phony. That's, that's not real. You don't look at a CGI image on a screen like, Oh, that's so fake. That's what pro wrestling is. It's, it's theater. It's athletic physical theater that has a determined uh, end as a determined storyline but the hits are real, the falls are real, the, the broken bodies at the end of a career are real. Mm. It's just a very physical theater. Uh, so I would never say it's fake. It's choreographed to an extent, but it's not fake. Mm. Um, but it is, in many ways, uh, at the root of it, it's, it's improv. Because you have two people out there performing a scene. Uh, they have a scenario that they're given. And then they're feeding off the audience and they're feeding off each other. So if the audience isn't buying what they're doing in the ring, just like in an improv scene, if they're not buying what's happening in the scene, then you end the scene as quickly as you can so that the show can continue without ruining the experience for everybody. So if you're in a match and the audience is just, you know, they're just not into it. For whatever reason, they're bored. You see people falling asleep in the front row. Okay, let's end this match really quickly and let's save the rest of the show. Mm. On the other side, uh, with improv and with wrestling, if you're in a moment where the audience is is hot and they're loving it and they're and they're literally eating out of the palm of your hand, you'll stretch it out. You go a little bit longer. You want to get to the point where you've given them enough, but they still want more. And that happens in wrestling and in improv. Um, the only difference is now when I pick up a chair on stage, I'm not using it to hit anybody. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> You're right, right. One would hope, yes. <laughs> I mean, it depends on what the scene calls for, I guess. <laughs> but it's just, to me, it's such, um, it's bravery. Um, I just admire people so much that can be on a stage in that way. But it kind of goes back to what we were just saying about being there for someone and listening. This is this is an active situation where you're listening and responding and mm -hmm. really being aware, this awareness of the energy of the space and working together because it's not a one-man show. It can't be a right. one-man show. If it was, it would like end in a second, right? Exactly. 
I mean, one person can't tell. I mean, I'll take the back. Like with improv and in theater, you can do a one man show, but in that one man show, you're either referencing, speaking to, or portraying multiple characters. Right. In a wrestling show, you can't have a one man wrestling match because it's not a match. The match requires two things coming together. And you can't make a match with one thing, just like you can't make a match with one sock. You can't have one person in a wrestling ring telling the full story. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it, it's it, it's all those things you said, it, feeling the energy and the, the temperature of the room, understanding uh, what your opponent needs from you or your scene partner needs from you, understanding what the crowd who paid to be there wants and needs. And also at the same time in telling the story, knowing what they want or need, but also knowing the swerve that they want or, or need that they don't even know that they want or need. Mm-hmm. Um, so mm-hmm. it, it's that partnership, it's that vulnerability. And as you know, I alluded to you earlier, you know, as a bigger guy wearing, you know, tight spandex, you know, that takes a lot of bravery as well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it, it does. It does. I mean, well, you're being seen and, mm-hmm. I mean, just vulnerability in life. I mean, as we walk through this space in the bodies that we have and just in our human beingness, there's so much vulnerability and there's so much of just choice, Mm -hmm. right? It's like you choose how you want to show up in your space. Yes, there are circumstances and yes, there are obstacles and things happen, but how you respond to them and how when you're interacting with someone else, you choose to interact with them. It, yeah. def- it, it just defines things. It Like you could be, it's those people that you know that you really don't want to be around because they look mad all the time. Um, you're walking down the street and they bang into you and they're like, what's your problem? It's like, okay, <laughs> sorry, <laughs> have a good day. Um, and then you leave that scene because you don't want to interact anymore. You don't want that scene's over <laughs> or right. you could be in a really bad mood too. And then you could interact and that doesn't have a good, that doesn't have a good outcome necessarily. Right. Cause you feed off each other's negative uh, feelings and anger and make each other the target. Right. And, yeah. So, yeah. And, and we are always improvising. Like you and I are improvising right now. It's not an improv performance and it's not a comedy show, but, Mm-hmm. I have no idea necessarily what you're going to offer. I know that what you're going to do is going to make logical sense coming up. And that's the trust that happens when you're having a conversation with somebody is you build that trust of, okay, they're not going to intentionally try to make me look like a fool. Right. And, and that's the same, you know, it's a, a the similar foundation to improv performing is my job is not necessarily to come up with the best lines or the funniest jokes or, the funniest moments, the best improv happens when there's just two or three or four people and they're just building something together. They don't know what's happening next, but they do know that they can trust the person they're with not to make them look like a fool. That is beautiful. That is yet yeah, because I mean, <laughs> again, it's going back to it's being life, right? I mean, mm-hmm. when you're like, in the beginning, the first thing you said in introducing yourself was about your wife and yeah. obviously the connection, you know, that you two have. It was the first thing that you said. So anytime you're with, 
in this case, you're with a partner. We don't know how it's going to unravel. <laughs> we don't know. Right. I mean, my husband and I have been together for like, I don't know, it's been like 33 years. I don't know, something like that. I don't know. I've kind of lost track, but it's, <laughs> but, but it's, it's the trust, even when things mm -hmm. aren't going the way, because we don't, you don't know how life's gonna, what it's gonna roll out. So when those things happen that don't feel the best, you have to trust in each other, even when you're feeling low and you're not liking mm -hmm. each other as much as you did. Um, but you still do, like you love each other, but you go through ebbs and flows, but it's trust yeah, at the center of it all. Yeah, absolutely, there's trust there and, and that's one of the things that, that we teach in, in improv is that uh, your job, your primary job is to make the other person look good. Everything that they do, make it have purpose, make it look brilliant. Because if they're, if they're doing the same thing for you, then you're going to have, find this flow. You're going to find this connection. And also that takes the pressure off. So if I walk into an improv scene and I have no idea what's happening, and I know somebody has to say something. So the first thing I come up with is, man, it's Tuesday. And now we've established something. So if my partner decides that they're going to, you know, make me look brilliant, they're going to have a reaction off that. And we can, and we have that trust together where we can start building off something as lame as, man, it's Tuesday. And that's right. how it works in relationships too. You know, like you said, there's an ebb and flow. Sometimes we're not feeling the relationship. Sometimes one of us is in a great mood. Sometimes one of us is kind of a blah. And, but because we have trust, we know that the blah moments isn't a reflection on our feeling for the other person. We just know that it's the ebb and flow. And we can trust in the relationship and we can have conversations still, even when we're not both on that same emotional page yes you know i think it's beautiful that when you have that trust that you know that there's a safety net that you don't have to fear having a bad day because nobody is on a hundred for their entire life unless mm -hmm. there's recreational drugs involved but even mm -hmm. then <laughs> even um, then <laughs> you can't be on a high that high because the body has to recover. The body is designed for moments of rest. And even if you are the happiest of happy all the time, no matter what, there are times that you have to pump the brakes. It's just natural. But when yeah. you're in a relationship, and whether it's an improv, whether it's in life, and you have that trust that it's okay for me to take off, uh, you know, it's in this kind of a, a Christian term, but take off the mantle, you know, take yeah. off, you know, the armor that you're carrying and just be, you know, just relax and just breathe in the moment and knowing that you don't have to quote unquote perform all the time for the people that you're with. Mm. And, uh, you know, that's, that's the beauty of improv. That's the beauty of building a trust relationship with, whether it's friends, whether it's your, your spouse, uh, whether it's you know, people like for me, people at our church, you know, mm -hmm. that is the beautiful beauty of relationship to understand it's all improv and my job is only to help make the other person look brilliant. And they're going to do the same for me. That is, as you're saying that, it just makes me feel so calm. And it just, it's just so, so much validation because it's, 
that's what I'm realizing too. Um, just in going through it, just in becoming so much more aware and being so grateful to have the opportunity of doing what I really love doing is truly being in that moment and not thinking 10 steps ahead, even though that does happen <laughs> of the planning, but it's the being in the moment, like you said, and, but I don't have to perform necessarily. I can choose to either relax or take action in whatever it is, the action that I'm doing, but not with that gripping feel where it's so tight, mm -hmm. where it closes things off and I'm not listening to the potential, to my intuition, which could be that nudge or the signs or the words that people are saying. I, unfortunately, like lately, it's not necessarily... Well, it's a, it's a bad thing in the sense that I'm not being present for like, if my son is talking to me, telling me something, but I'm like excited thinking about something, but at the same time, mm -hmm. he'll be telling me something. And then he stops and he says, you're not even here, are you? <laughs> and I'm like, no, <laughs> I'm here. And he goes, really? I'm like, no, you're right. I'm not. <laughs> I was excited about what was this next step of what was happening. I'm like, I'm sorry. Say it again. <laughs> And I either get the response of no, 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 or okay, you know, and I truly will then stop whatever I'm doing and say, I'm, I'm engaged with you. I'm listening. I'm not going to get distracted. Yeah. And it, and everybody has those moments where, you know, the, you know, my wife, Bobby will come in and she'll want to have, you know, talk about work or talk about this and that, but I'm not there in that moment because something else, I'm thinking about something else. And those moments, they happen. That's part of a relationship. Sometimes we don't get ex excited about the same thing as the other person. Mm -hmm. It's when it becomes a habit and becomes like a constant thing of I'm never engaging with her. Then suddenly it becomes this unhealthy thing where in improv we call it uh, negating or denying. If I constantly deny my wife basically my engagement – then there's a serious problem. She loses that trust. Mm. But if I build the trust and we have those moments where we're just not meeting, you know, the, the enthusiasm isn't the same. Like you were saying with like your thoughts and then your son was coming to tell you a story. Mm -hmm. yeah, those moments, there, there's enough credibility to know that, okay, this is, this is not the habit. This is not the pattern. And mm. it all goes back to that trust of knowing that I'm safe here even if in a moment something flubs and something's missed, right. I know that I'm safe here. I know that my heart is safe here. I know that I can pour out my heart when I need to. And that is so important you know, to make it through this world because we're not designed to be alone. We're not designed to not have somebody that we can open up to. You know, that That's why I, I, mean, I don't know how, how you feel about this, but I feel like, social media has become such a driver of depression and suicide because we're, we're virtually connected, but we're losing the interpersonal connection where I can look somebody in the eye and know, Oh, there's something going on. They're, they're, they're not being, you know, they're trying to hide something. Yeah. Mm. And I don't mean that like nefariously, yeah. but I'm like, like for me, I was hiding depression, but I, apparently I was really good at it because nobody really knew. But that's also because I never let anybody close enough to be able to see. Mm -hmm. I, I always kept people at an arm's length. 
Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. that's that's the challenge is we need to connect as people beyond social media, beyond our phones. Put our phones away when we're at dinner. Look each other in the eye. Ask the questions. If something's different, don't just shrug it off. Ask about it. Mm-hmm. Because there's more value in asking a question that is you know irrelevant than not asking the question that should have been asked. Mm-hmm. So if I look at you and I see like there's something in your eyes that's not right and I ask about it and you're like, oh, no, really, I'm fine. And you're legitimately fine. I feel like our relationship's better off than if I take the first answer. Mm. One thing I do at church, Uh (laughs) one thing I do at church that that sometimes I think drives people nuts is I'll ask people how they're doing. And for many people, they are okay. But there's also people that use uh, a church face where they're like, yes, I'm I'm fine. Things are great. Mm -hmm. And I'll ask them, is that the real answer or is that the church answer? Mm Mm-hmm. Because you know, we I've teased some you know some of my fellow Christians. I'm like, you know, we we were wearing the 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 mask for COVID to church, but some of y'all been wearing masks a lot longer than that mm-hmm. because you're not you're afraid of that vulnerability. You haven't connected on a level to where you have that trust that we were talking about a, a few moments ago. Yeah, it's really everything. It's the core of everything. Yeah. Whew. Okay. So. <laughs> Let's get into the second part, which will carry over. It's, yeah, it's such a deep topic, and I really appreciate the conversation. So, um, Dave, how do you inc- – we spoke about some things, but are there any other things that you can speak to that you inc- – how you incorporate creativity into your own life? Yeah, uh, with the, uh, the improv, you know, we perform comedy, but I've also uh, been blessed with the opportunity to teach improv as a way to improve communication – uh, to uh, develop creativity and um, to just have fun and, and kind of break loose. And one of the opportunities I've had is I've been teaching improv at Salt and Light Coalition in Chicago uh, with women who have survived sex trafficking. Mm. Uh, they've escaped uh, whatever they were in. And, and here's one thing that you know people think that if they're in sex trafficking, you're locked away in a dungeon and you're just shipped underground. Many of these women lived and were, you know, they would still go to the store, still go to different things and do, and they were still visible, but they had people that follow them, that track them. And they were prisoners, even though that, you know, they could be out on the street, they were still prisoners, mm-hmm. but they escaped the lifestyle. They survived it. And they're literally rebuilding or building their lives for the first time. And I bring, uh, once a month, I just bring in improv lessons there. And if none of the communication improves, if none of the creativity is there, if none of those higher level things happen, if for nothing else, I'm there for an hour a month to provide an opportunity to laugh and kind of restore hope because one of the, the things that happens naturally is when you have a good laugh, like a good belly laugh, your head naturally rocks back and your eyes lift upward. Mm. And that kind of takes your eyes off of what's right in front of you and gets your eyes focused on something else. Uh, whether you're a Christian or not, there's still something valuable in lifting your eyes higher than what, what's at eye level. 
And when you laugh and you're able to do that, you realize that no matter how bad things are right here in front of you, Mm. life is bigger than the immediate. Life is bigger than the struggles. So there's hope on the other side of the struggle. And we get to laugh and these ladies get to laugh like kids, um, maybe for the first time, because some of them are sold into trafficking as young as nine, 10 years old. Oh my gosh. Their their parents needed, needed the hit. They needed uh, the next drug. So they would, you know, invite people over and say, Hey, you know, 50 bucks, you know, do whatever. And, you know, they'll go out and they'll get their next hit, next fix. And, you know, these, and these women have been stuck in that life for years and that's all they know. And the unfortunate part is either their handlers force it or they take it up as a, you know, coping mechanism. You know, many of them get addicted to heavy, hardcore drugs, sometimes Mm -hmm. as a control mechanism, sometimes as a coping mechanism. And so they end up with records and rap sheets they end up with children that are taken away from them. So now they come to Salt and Light Coalition to try to get their life in order, to get their kids back in their lives. And, you know, they carry the burdens of the world. And many people look on them because when you come out of that lifestyle, you bear some scars. You bear some, I don't mean this negatively, but it's just the truth. They, there, there's, there's, there's like wear and tear on, mm-hmm. on them because of the life. And people instinctively think, oh, she's just a drug addict. She's just this and kind of look past her. And they don't realize that this is a human being that's been through hell on earth. Hmm. And, you know, my eyes have been really, really open because I, even as much as I thought I knew, I didn't know the half of it. And just to be able to work with these ladies and see them laugh to literally see the burdens of the world crack up and fall off in the middle of a mm. silly improv game. It, it's such a blessing. Um, I can think of one lady in particular came in and I, I'm sure, you know, the look, the look of somebody that walks in, she's like, I wish somebody would, she was ready to just, you know, go off on somebody. She was right. Yeah. She's wanting somebody to say the wrong thing, do the wrong thing so that she could just explode. Yeah. But she came in and, uh, your participation is required as part of the program. So she went from this person that was like a ticking bomb mm. to laughing like a little girl within five minutes. And just to see that crack and fall off doing improv games, silly games like bippity bippity bop or zip zap zop, you know, <laughs> these mm-hmm. silly things that sound like children's games. And that's the beauty because improv kind of, gets you out of your own head, gets you out of your own cynicism, out of your own damage. Because, you know, by the time you're an adult, there's damage done. There's wear and tear. Mm-hmm. Nobody is showroom conditioned when you hit your third. You know. <laughs> showroom condition. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> but improv breaks you down to where you're no longer that cynical adult that's seen everything. Now you're able to play and pretend and, Suddenly me, you know, a six foot two bearded man, I, I could play a lady on stage. I could be a grandma mm-hmm. and, you know, just walk around with my improvised walker and my improvised oxygen tank. And, and we're just playing pretend is basically what it comes down to in finding those creative ideas and the creative juices that have been dormant for so long. It, it's so much fun. Right. And I've been so blessed to be able to, to work with the ladies there and, and, you know, just see them 
you know, come out of their shell and, and find that, that little girl that's longing to laugh again. Gosh, cause we all do, right? It's, mm -hmm. it, it's creating that safe space. That's what I have always found in all of my teaching and all of my settings that I've taught in. And a lot were very challenging settings and, um, challenging in the sense that there's just lots lots going on at one time you wouldn't know if someone ate that day you didn't know if they were taking care of their younger sibling when they were only in fourth grade you didn't know if someone had been arrested you didn't like you just there's so many stories everybody has stories these were just very right. intense stories um so like you said i can totally relate there would be like a few ticking time bombs coming into the class and just need you just look at them the wrong way and materials mm -hmm. would be flying you know it's just give me that opportunity so it's creating that safe space for people to be able to decompress for you to be able to have the communication in my in my situation it'd be like give me a sign if you need to leave the room if you need to take a breather because what we're doing isn't enough expression for you to feel safe. Mm -hmm. Give me a signal so you can go out and go to this other safe space so you can decompress to then come back in if that's what you can handle. Um, but I love what you're saying with giving these, just laughing. I really love what you said about looking beyond what's at eye level because that is so true. When you lift your eyes up and you see there is nothing it is, there's freedom in that. And when you laugh, like a real belly laugh, like where you can't breathe, it's, we were doing that the other day. It was hysterical. And it ended up being, so my kids are 18 and 22. And we're like, okay, we're having family time. And we don't really have many board games or anything left. And Anyway, I was like, well, let's play this game. Let's play that game. And they're like, that's really stupid. We don't want to play that. <laughs> and all of a sudden, we have a hula hoop in our living room. And we just picked up the hula hoop. And we started timing each other to see who could hula hoop the longest. Mm -hmm. I had not laughed that hard. And my son was like putting the hula hoop on his neck. And my husband was like, trying to hula hoop and it wasn't working. And my daughter was like eating a sandwich and hula hooping. And it was just, <laughs> it was just hysterical. And it just felt good to be in that space together in that way. And, and think about how beautiful that moment is because it didn't take a lot of money or finances or extravagant planning. Hey, here's a hula hoop. Let's, let's just do something. Mm -hmm. And that's the beauty of, being together in those safe places, is, it doesn't take a lot. It's literally that childlike mentality of, hey, this is a great toy, but I'm going to play with this box instead. Right. Uh, and just finding fun things to do, yeah, I think that's beautiful. Uh, and the spontaneity of things. But mm -hmm. sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. Oh, no, it's fine. Uh, yeah, the spontaneity. Yeah, you, you improvised a family night. Yeah. 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 I just felt so good. So the work that you're doing with these women, oh my gosh, that is talk about life altering. Yeah. yeah. And the one thing that isn't like advertised when I was first signed on to volunteer is 
here I am, a man that's coming in, working with these ladies who've been hurt by men a million times over. And I, I will never under, I will never not appreciate how important it is for me to be in there to, to show that there are men that respect them, that care about them and is not there to use them. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I truly appreciate that fact because, you know, and I, I know I talk about this a lot, but, you know, being somebody my size, that's a natural intimidation, especially when you've been in a position where you've been hurt by men. Is like, you know, physically, there's no way that they could compete with me if there is something going, going wrong. Mm-hmm. So I come in as this larger man, this bearded man, but we have fun together. We have moments of joy and fun and excitement. And I know that, that it's it's helping because it's now creating a new dynamic that that men are not always the enemy. You, you have to be careful, but not all, every man is the same. And mm-hmm. I, I truly value being able to represent my people in that sort of way. Um, mm-hmm. It because it, it's it saddened me how many men are not truly men. They're little boys that are doing whatever they feel like without respect for themselves, without respect for other people. Mm. And you know, I'm, I'm, I am blessed to be able to be the antithesis of what the world expects them to be. Well, yeah. Yeah, here you are, a compassionate, you're showing compassion, you're showing joy, you're showing fun. And people don't know what they don't know, so we have our experiences and we can only base things off of those experiences. You don't necessarily, maybe you've heard of something like that, but you're like, but I haven't seen it or experienced it. So I can't really bring it into my world. So um, you are doing just that. So that is incredible. So is there anything else as far as I know that you podcast? Mm -hmm. So what is the name of your podcast? I have a, a show it's called Gifts for Glory, um, and it's uh, I interview fellow Christians that are using uh, their gifts, uh, their talents, their passions, even their experiences, and, and doing it in a way that's uh, to point uh, people to God, whether they're working with fellow Christians or they're trying to witness and share the story of God with other people through their work. It's just celebrating the different ways that we can make an impact for good in the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I interview actors, uh, musicians, comedians. Um, I've interviewed authors. And uh, it's just a lot of fun just hearing the different ways that people are able to make a difference. And also hear uh, testimonies of you know, the different ways that people have come to their faith. Uh, mm-hmm. There's people that will come to their faith because they grew up in a Christian home. It was always the part of their life. And then uh, they ultimately made it their own. And then you have people like one uh, interview I had last year. Uh, she was a Christian as a teenager and then kind of lost her way a little bit when she was actually raped by her youth pastor. And mm. now she's come full circle back to that faith. And that, by coming back to that faith, that has you know allowed her to heal, allowed her to actually forgive this youth pastor these many years later. Wow. And allowed her and her family to, to really move on from that trauma. So it, it's, 
you know, I, I hate that the journey went that way, but I love hearing the redemption side of it. Mm. I love hearing the hope that even the worst possible situation can be redeemed and turned around. So, and I, I love sharing those stories. Um, we do it live on Mondays on Facebook, and then you know, I publish it as an audio podcast a couple of days later. It's just everything, so much of what you're talking about is I'm hearing just celebration. Yeah. Yeah, celebration. It's because every, every you know, from, from our perspective, at, at, you know, on the Christian side, because I, I, I'm guessing that I'm probably talking to a wide variety of audience that, are, that might be mm -hmm. Christian, might not be. Mm -hmm. uh, so from, from our perspective, Everybody that finds a relationship with Jesus, that's a celebration because in the Bible it talks about how when one sinner repents, which means they turn back and, and uh, reconcile their relationship with God, that there's joy and there's celebration in heaven. So as fellow believers, we celebrate that as well. Every time somebody finds that hope and finds that deeper purpose in their life, we celebrate that. And and what I like to do is celebrate the different gifts and the different ways that we can all work together to serve God, to serve people, and to give them opportunities to find hope. Yeah. So it's definitely a celebration. So as we're getting to the top of the hour, uh, the third and final question, which just kind of wraps everything up and puts a nice little bow on it, is why do you think creativity is important? I think creativity is important uh, because it's a gift. It um, it brings people together. You, you think of everything as creative. Everything that is creative and done so with positive intent brings people together. And whether it's comedy, whether it's uh, movies, whether it's music, whether it's art and painting, dance, ballet. It brings people together, either people together to watch or people together to participate. So creativity is important because it brings us together. You can do a lot of really creative and fun things on TikTok, Snapchat, Facebook, whatever. And people will like it and watch it for a few minutes, but it doesn't bring people together. But when you do something creative out in the world and you bring people together as an audience or as a group working on the same project, People are united, and they, you know, and it really goes back to the the youth. You know, as a child, we are all creative as children. We are designed to like, and it's a joke, but it's reality of finding more fun things to do with the box than the actual gift or the toy that was in it, because mm -hmm. the box could be anything. Mm -hmm. And so creativity brings us together, and it reminds us of what it was like to be a kid. Because we can create anything. We can have fun with anything. There's no limits when we're creating. It's the cynical, non-showroom conditioned adult that ruins the creativity and the fun. But the child loves the creativity. And I think that bringing people together and re-tapping into that childlike mentality, those are the two biggest things that make creativity important and valuable. That is a perfect way to bring this to an end. Um, Dave, can you please tell people how they can find you? Yeah. Uh, 
just after I, uh, you know, disparaged social media, you can find me. (laughs) (laughs) You can Uh, find on social media and then connect in person. Right. Exactly. (laughs) Um, you can find me at Gifts for Glory uh, on Facebook, uh, Instagram, and Twitter. And that's at Gifts, the number four, Glory. And uh, that's the easiest way to find me because I will connect you to my comedy team, uh, my personal improv teaching, and my podcast. And there's also one other way. Every interview I give, every show I give, if there is somebody out there that either you or somebody you know is struggling with depression, thoughts of suicide, and you need somebody just to vent to, because I know when I was going through it, I would have had a much easier time just venting to somebody I didn't know, because I knew there'd be no, no disappointment there. There'd be no judgment there. There'd be no letting somebody down. But if you want to talk to a stranger that's been there, email me anytime and I'll get back to you as soon as I can. And not to come at you as a, as a pastor with a bunch of scripture, but to come to you as somebody that's going to walk through that Valley with you. Somebody's going to listen. Somebody's going to be there for you. Uh, you can email me Dave at gifts That's Dave at gifts, the number four glory.com. And it goes to my phone. Um, if I'm asleep, obviously I might not hear the ding, but give me a few hours to respond because if you're going through that, I want to be there for you just to vent, to get it off your chest, to get it out of your mind. And, and my dad cursed like a sailor, so don't feel like you have to filter yourself when you're emailing me. Just get it out and let's talk. And I, I hope that I can be somebody that can you know, walk through the valley with you. Thank you, Dave. It's been so wonderful talking to you. Thank you. It's been fun talking to you. We should do this again sometime. Maybe not through social media. (laughs) Yes. Yes, we definitely, definitely should. But before we say goodbye, um, are there any final thoughts or words of wisdom, anything that you feel like you need to share or you could? I would just uh, say that everybody was created with a purpose. Everybody was created with gifts and talents and Everybody was born a child, so therefore you have creativity in you because every child does until we become cynical, grouchy, furrow-browed adults. Find a way to tap into that creativity, and you, you will be surprised to see what God can do with the creative gifts he's given you. Um, and he, you'll be surprised to see what can come out of you if you just get out of your own way and try it. That's it. Get out of your own way. Stop thinking so much with your head and all of the buts and ifs and what ifs and whys. And (laughs) well, why can be good because you're questioning things and moving yourself forward. But nothing good ever follows a but, usually. Lots of (laughs) excuses. (laughs) So, again, Dave, thank you so much for being here. And all those that were here with us live, thank you so much. And those listening to the replay, we are very, very grateful. You could be doing anything with your hour, and we are so glad that you chose to spend it with us. This space is all about inspiring each other, sharing, and connecting and sharing stories. So please like, follow, share. I believe we've always needed this, but we need it now more than ever. We need the connection. Um, So I wish you a good morning, a good afternoon, a good evening, wherever you are, and look forward to chatting soon. So goodbye, everybody. Goodbye. Feeling inspired? There are so many ways 
to do things for you, to get yourself moving, to get your creative juices flowing, and to have fun. Check out I Am Creative and Express Yourself Publishing. Go to IamCreativePhilly.com. I am creative Philly, P-H-I-L-L-Y.com. And check out the experiential kits. Check out Creative Shui, which is all about creative inspiration and guidance. And for Express Yourself Publishing, there's so many multi-author book opportunities. So I would love to chat with you so much. Everybody has, everybody's creative. Everybody has a voice. Everybody has an expression. And I can't wait to meet you. Thank you so much for taking this hour to listen to our stories and share the energy. And I wish you a wonderful morning, afternoon, evening, wherever you are in this world. Bye, everybody.